The Hamlet Podcast, episode 175. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanretty. We now get Laertes' response to Hamlet's speech. Hamlet has made an impressive plea for forgiveness without actually acknowledging what exactly he wants to be forgiven for. There is a formality to the speech, a kind of public awareness, and now Laertes responds in kind. I am satisfied in nature, whose motive, in this case, should stir me most to my revenge. But in my terms of honour I stand aloof, and will no reconcilement, till by some elder masters of known honour I have a voice and precedent of peace to keep my name ungored. But till that time I do receive your offered love like love, and will not wrong it. If there's a single motivation behind this podcast, it's a desire to show how exciting, how rich and how actable Shakespeare's language can be. It's speeches like this one that in many ways give Shakespeare a bad name. To us today, his language seems antiquated and overdone. But I have to wonder if this isn't the point. Yet again, we're being shown the contrast between Hamlet and Laertes, and it is woven even into the way that they speak. Hamlet has, as usual, dazzled with a clever, dangerous speech addressing multiple people on multiple levels. His language has been impressive. And so perhaps now Laertes is trying to sound even more formal and more educated. But he falls short, and the speech instead sounds aloof, the word he uses, and really quite stuffy. He doesn't get it nearly as right as Hamlet does. He says he's satisfied in nature. Hamlet's apology has at least assuaged his own personal feelings, which, Laertes is saying, should stir him most towards revenge. But, he says, as far as his honour or his reputation are concerned, he has to stand aloof and not accept the apology. He desires no reconciliation or reconcilement until some older and wiser experts can suggest a way or a precedent for him to accept Hamlet's apology without harming his own reputation. I stand aloof and will no reconcilement till by some elder masters of known honour I have a voice and precedent of peace to keep my name ungored. This weird veneer of formality somehow keeps both men from saying aloud that Hamlet killed, or gored, Laertes' father. Is it a court secret? Why isn't it mentioned? It's an odd little point, this, but I do appreciate that it allows room for some underlying tension between the two actors playing these roles. Neither of them is actually sincere in all of this, and Hamlet's disingenuous courtly speech is just a little bit smoother than Laertes'. Lest there be any questioning of what Laertes is referring to, or indeed not referring to, he moves things along, saying that for now, or until this diplomatic loophole can be found, he will take good Hamlet's goodwill for what it is, and not fight it. But till that time, I do receive your offered love like love, and will not wrong it. And Hamlet acknowledges this. I embrace it freely, and will this brother's wager frankly play. Give us the foils. Come on. The sands in the hourglass are running out faster and faster now as the fight is being prepared. Hamlet seems happy to be having this match. 
he acknowledges that he will play frankly, or freely, happily. We've heard that the swords will be poisoned, so if anything we shouldn't want it to happen, and yet he appears happy to do it. But for all that, he calls it a brother's wager. Sure, it might be that he's calling Laertes his brother again, but when we think about how brothers have treated brothers in this play, there's a miserable irony to this word. The two men call for the swords. It seems that Osric is the best candidate to organise and manage the fencing. Hamlet calls for his foil, Laertes for one too. It's possible that Hamlet's come on and then Laertes come one for me is a little error. It's not desperately important information, so they can both say it as they put their hands out for their swords. Hamlet even makes a joke. I'll be your foil, Laertes. In mine ignorance, your skill shall, like a star at the darkest night, stick fiery off indeed. First and foremost, a foil is a sword for fencing. But here, Hamlet uses another meaning, a term for the metal that surrounds a gemstone in a piece of jewellery. He's suggesting that Laertes' skill at fencing is the real jewel, while Hamlet's lesser ability, or his ignorance, will be the frame that makes it shine all the brighter. He compounds the foil image with a rather exaggerated one of a star shining bright in the darkness. No surprise, then, that Laertes doesn't feel he should take the compliment too seriously. He says, You mock me, sir. And Hamlet, still seeming very playful, replies, No, by this hand. There's already been this extended hand-to-hand contact during Hamlet's apology, and now there's presumably some getting-ready business as the two prepare to fence. Very often productions have Hamlet putting on a glove here, so that the hand he's swearing by is even more obvious as he holds it up. Now Claudius speaks, resuming his role as MC for this entertainment. Give them the foils, young Osric. Cousin Hamlet, you know the wager. Claudius addresses Osric, confirming this sense that he should be in charge of all these weapons. Whether he's complicit in the poisoning is a question a director will have to answer within his or her own show. As for Hamlet, back at the beginning of the play, Claudius more than once referred to Hamlet as our cousin and our son. And Hamlet really hasn't got much past the status of cousin as he remains here. Claudius brings up the wager again. Osric told us all about it earlier in the scene, but Claudius seems eager to be seen to bet on Hamlet checking with him now to ensure he knows it too. And Hamlet says yes, he knows the wager. Very well, my lord. Your grace hath laid the odds of the weaker side. It's still all very cordial and civil as Hamlet jovially suggests that Claudius is backing the wrong horse by laying the odds on the weaker side. We're all sick of hearing just how good at fencing Laertes is, and yet Claudius is backing Hamlet. Claudius responds with even more jollity. I do not fear it. I have seen you both. But since he is better, we have, therefore, odds. Ho, 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 he's saying, I've seen you both fencing. God only knows when he managed to see that, mind you. But since perhaps Laertes is the better, we have arranged the odds in your favour, Hamlet. We have, therefore, odds. It's all fairly fast and tense, because, of course, we know that this is a set-up. The swords are poisoned and ready for this, and Hamlet is also here for revenge, so all this civil chatter is lie upon lie. 
As the two opponents finish their preparations, the king has a little speech to heighten the stakes even further, but we'll save the twist in that for the next episode. As always, do be sure to visit the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for more information and the notes that accompany every episode. We've only a few more weeks before we finish the play, but keep an eye out for a few special bonus episodes that are in the works and should be online in the next couple of days and weeks. Thank you, as always, for your company, and I'll speak to you next time.